Hello there, and thank you for tuning in to the Learning As We Go podcast. In this episode, we dive further into the theme of non-linearity in training and talk about how this concept applies to flexibility training. We both talk about how we measure progress can influence this, and we also touch upon different physiological and psychological factors that might be behind why we see this type of nonlinear progress in flexibility training. Thank you for listening once again, and enjoy. Hello, Mikkel. <laughs> Andres, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm very happy we managed to squeeze this. We're going to have 30 minutes time available because Mikkel is a very busy person, including yes. um, busy and old now. Old, old there. <laughs> yeah, if, if 30 is old, then I am officially old. Exactly. But that if makes I'm me old, old there. What, what does that make you, Andres? Andres, he's uh, what are you, two, two years older than me? Yeah, kind of. But I don't even look at it. No, I, I don't look that. I'm, I'm look like 16 or something. So, so you're telling me that I, I look old on the other hand. So moving on for the topic of today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, well. so basically it turns out we have very busy schedules this week. Um, so we needed to choose either do a 30-minute episode today or just don't do anything until next week. So of course, because we are committed to the bone, <laughs> To the to this podcast, we decided to just do a thirty minute thing. Our through, of course. So maybe just very briefly, we'll cover our usual sections. Yeah. Is there something you've learned since last week? I think uh, once again, I'm gonna turn to stuff that I've relearned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These light bulb moments of realizing something that you've kind of you know just realized before, like oh, this yeah. is still true. That um, doing something is is better than doing nothing. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whoa. So both in regards Context? to trading, but but also in regards to podcasts. <laughs> okay, ah. I see how you. I see. I see what you did there. Great. <laughs> yeah, it was a very new lesson. No, like. <laughs> no, but I, it, it's actually one I always come back to because I have very much. I easily fall into this. Okay. Mm. I don't have. A full two hours to train. How I'm gonna get uh, anything done that's useful? It's like okay, but but maybe you can get a lot of useful stuff done in twenty minutes, thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, this could be another full episode. This whole attitude of something is better than nothing, and the the better the best training is the one you do, not the best designed one. Hashtag motivation. Hashtag motivation. But yeah, sounds cool. Glad you you got another chance to. Confirm that. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Andres? Did you learn anything yeah. this past week? I learned too many things. So it's been hard. I, I was thinking actually the other day about what am I supposed to say in the podcast? Because I was in Denmark, right? Visiting you last week. Uh, yeah. And then I did this whole tour teaching people how to do handstands and visiting friends. But I think the lesson I took with me, one of them or the one I want to share is how important is the context for, for our behavior or how we stick to certain behaviors and things. And for me, it's been super clear in terms of training, as I mentioned before, and this maybe already for me goes into how my, my, what's brewing for me with, mm -hmm. with my training and how is that evolving? 
but yeah, last week, even though I was super busy, not having much time available for anything with events and, and just catching up with people, I've trained more than I've trained in many, many weeks before, just because most of my friends in Copenhagen are from the circus environment or people like you, right? That is uh, coaching and, and very active. And that just made me hang out with people through training, right? So you just go and train together. So I've done my flexibility program. I've done handstands. I've done many things. Um, and that felt great. And at some point for me, it was even in these periods of, of months when I've been not so active as I wanted to be, you know, just start questioning yourself, like what, what's going on? Is it because of context or is it because really I'm not wanting to be active? Yeah. And this is really just a confirmation of how important the environment is. And if you have, if you're hanging out at a gym, then is probably you're going to start doing something there. So I still don't know how I'm going to apply this to my day to day here, but I think it's nice to at least have this confirmation of how easy it is for me to train once the environment is there in place. Uh, oh yeah. It makes it so much easier. Oh, and moving like connecting with this in terms of what's brewing from now on, one of, one, one of our friends, Anna, <laughs> she's going to be joining online my stretchings in the morning. So I now I have an accountability partner oh, to do my programs. That's cool. Because it, yeah, it matches her schedule as well. So today we did a middle split session following my program yeah. online. So that's super cool. Just having a bit of, even without thinking too much about it, adding this, bringing this context and environment to my day to day here. Yeah. That's cool, man. So that's cool. Yeah. But I think also another reason why training has been going well is also because, you know, Denmark makes you strong. <laughs> yeah. It's Denmark. It's all in Denmark. The cheese, the rye bread, rubro. <laughs> Definitely the rubro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how's your website going? Have you seen anything new? Um, it's improving. Um, I mean, it's looking better. It, it's starting to not look like a five-year-old. It's still like in the... Uh, <laughs> you, you can't see it on my official page yet. It's it's being like uh, done in kind of a... Um, for lack of technical terms, because I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> it's being done in a, in a secret place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a secret site. Yeah. In a dungeon. Exactly. Secret um, dungeon. So once all the design is ready, uh, it's going to be updated to the, uh, to the real, real uh, website. It's going to look good. Nice. It's going to be great once we reach 100 episodes and people go back to the beginning to, to hear yeah. our content. You're, you're going to get just continuous traffic into your website for people to see uh, how it looks. <laughs> yeah. From all so the like thousands in two years of listeners from now, we're going to get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In exactly. two years from now, when we had millions of like listeners, you're going to get all this traffic coming from you don't even know where. Yeah. Look at that. Be rich. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how it works. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So what, uh, what have we prepared for today? So um, we're going to continue a bit down this uh, the lane of non-linearity. Uh, today we're going to talk about flexibility training. Exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, because, surprise, surprise, when we're talking about this topic, uh, progress in flexibility training is also often 
it's very non-linear. Um, yeah. So so often you can see like maybe you're you're doing the work and you might not be seeing huge improvements for a while, and then out of the blue, suddenly you start to see some some major improvements. So instead of like the gains coming uh, or flowing uh, nice and steadily into your joints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it might start out as a slow trickle. You know, maybe small stuff is happening before um, before the big range gains uh, are coming. Mm. Very common to see this. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe you you kind of have this this leap where things are going well. You're progressing relatively fast in a, in a short uh, amount of time over a short shorter uh, time span and then you're going to go back to slow gains for a while mm. before you you hit the next kind of sprint uh, in gains yeah uh, very common to see this this very kind common. of uh, thing happening yeah and i would say even something with flexibility that is even clearer than in handstands because when, when we talk in last episode about handstands we're talking about how handstands kind of by default on its nature they're they're not static kind of where we are in terms of like what can we express yeah. right and thing again going back to strength which still is not linear or static but is sort of kind of there compared to these other things i think flexibility even more than handstands is super variable depending on many aspects and this we're not talking about progress itself but we're talking about exactly how you are right now if you measure your flexibility half hour after you wake up versus at 3 p.m. and after going for a walk, it's going to be different, right? So there's a lot of variability in how it expresses even during the day, um, which is another layer also of, of the aspect of the progress. But I think it's something very interesting to have in consideration because something as simple as at what time of the day you do your, your stretching, uh, sessions, or if you don't do it at the same time of the day, then yeah, you might I, find a lot of variability during during your trainings. And I think that's that's more one of the things that can kind of mask how you're doing in your training, because maybe you you are seeing progress, but you're just measuring at different times of day, right? So, exactly. so just just to clarify for people, you're actually usually what happens is that when you wake up in the morning, that's the point of the, of the day where you are going to be the least flexible. And then over the course of the day, you're actually going to be more and more flexible in the course of the day. Uh, probably like because of a few factors. First of all, when you just wake up, you probably haven't been moving much for the last, you know, a lot of hours. <laughs> <laughs> so the body kind of needs to start moving again to, to get comfortable in the ranges. And also um, the temperature of the body will also be, be a bit lower after a lot of sleep. And a higher temperature also... Uh, makes our tissue, different tissues, muscle, tendon, skin, all the connective mm. tissue, makes that a, uh, say, a more elastic. Mm. More compliant would be like the technical term. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and this I can see so much clearly in my own training because I do these flexibility programs, right? And they're super standard. I'm really, really yeah. following or doing the same exercises in the same frame. I'm super strict with the resting time and active time that I'm doing the exercises with. Um, 
And for example, this last week when I was in Denmark, I did the middle split stretching. I think it was around three or four p.m. Um, and I've done one of my best, biggest uh, splits in the last set. Always in the last set, of course. Um, I don't know, like ten centimeters from touching the ground, fifteen centimeters. Versus today in the morning, when I did it at seven thirty in the morning, right? It's like literally waking up, getting a coffee, and start doing the thing. Uh, and I was maybe thirty-five centimeters away from the floor. That's and it's extremely clear. And I think also an, an important thing to note here is that even though that when even though that your level of flexibility might fluctuate over over the course of the day, uh, this doesn't mean that okay. But then you should only uh, train flexibility as the last thing before going to bed. Um, that's not the case. It's probably Super going to be important. close to, you know, the effectiveness, what you get out of, of, of the training is probably going to be the same or close to the same, you know, basically no matter when you do it during the day. Um, but maybe if you do it just when you roll out of bed, maybe you're going to need a bit more of a thorough warm-up to get you know, the extra 10, last 10% out of the uh, out of the range or out of the gains you're going to get from the session. Mm. So it's a little bit this idea of, do you want out of your training uh, to find that range, to use it for something else, or do you just want to find that intensity that will give you the stimulus to then develop the range of motion, right? Because, because it's that idea that maybe I'm not expressing as much range as I could at another time of the day, but the, the effect that it's going to have in my, in my results, it's still going to be there. And this I've noticed super clearly where um, even though most of my trainings are happening at this time where I don't express the range, then the gains are still there. So then when I stretch at times where I'm more flexible, suddenly I express much more than before. Yeah. So it's a relieving thing, right? For the uneducated trainee, when you try and start stretching, you panic because you're like, oh my God, the other day I did so much deeper. This is not working, even though I'm feeling the intensity is uncomfortable maybe painful i don't like to go there but like some people go very close to where it feels painful um because they try to push it to find that range that is not there and just just knowing that it's not necessary can be a huge change in the approach to stretching and, and a big relief as well oh wait i just recognized something now where is your mustache oh my god did you shave your epic mustache <laughs> Um, <laughs> I had to do something to to save my marriage. <laughs> that was like long story short. I had I had begun to have this kind of gentleman mustache, with <laughs> nice twirls at the end, and my wife she's been hating it <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh, that's epic! Oh my god, it took me like solid twenty minutes to notice. <laughs> yeah. But I, I oh. I've actually put the pictures up on Instagram with a uh, with a vote to see whether or not it was a good decision. So um, yeah, it's gonna be gone probably when you hear this episode. But just so you know that it was a possibility, and you should have voted <laughs> for the epic mustache that I had before. Or but, um, if you're coming from the future in two years, searching to the beginning of our podcast, yeah. and you're visiting Mikkel's website, you can also go now to his Instagram profile all the way to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> And what is today? First of March? 
first of March 2023, go a week <laughs> before. Yes. Okay, but sorry. Back to flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just we we talked about this time of day being able to acutely uh, affect how 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 much flexibility you'll be able to express, uh, but also uh, the temperature, like your your body's temperature. Higher temperature also means that again your tissue is going to be more compliant. You're going to be able to to get into to deeper ranges. And this also means that if you are living in a cold place, for example, Denmark, when it's winter and it's freaking freezing, and if you're training in a gym that's also not very well heated, you might have to spend, you know, longer time warming up to be able to get into those uh, ranges. And it might be, you know, harder to actually get this kind of, of sufficient warmth to be as comfortable in the, in the positions. Yeah. Just keep that in mind as well. Just like training in a, in a colder room might make it less comfortable to be in the same ranges. Again, it's probably a good idea to be warm when you uh, when you do your training, but um, it's probably not better to do all your stretching sessions in a sauna than just doing them being you know relatively warm. Yeah, I think in the end is is. This thing again, going back to this idea of like, maybe it's not necessary to always push to that expression of maximum range. Yeah. And it's the same as when strength training, maybe you need to adapt. It's not about going for your one. And th this is another thing with, with, with flexibility. And now maybe we're going to a little branch here, but the way to train flexibility is not always trying to go as deep as you can. Because that will be the equivalent of training your one max rep every <laughs> yeah, yeah, time yeah. you do strength training, right? Like you go to yeah. squat, you can lift 200 kilos. You wish, we, uh, we all wish. <laughs> you can lift, I don't know, yeah, 200, let's say, as one max rep. And then ev like you, you program your leg day training doing, yeah, one lift of your 200 kilos that you can lift as maximum, that that's not really an effective way of training, right? You would go lower intensity and do things, of course, feeling that intensity and heavy weight, but you're, you're far away from that one max. And I think this is something important with flexibility that of course we need to get close to the end of the range, but it's not about going, pushing for that maximum depth, no matter what, every time we train. Well, oh no. I think it's, it's very common, like when people, for example, first get touched on the splits. Mm. It's like, okay, now you maybe you're starting to have it on the good days and you're warm, things are in, in optimal conditions. And then if you're suddenly training in a different environment, you know, things are just not there on that day, there's very good odds that you're just going to be chasing that range and really struggling to get there, right? So it's just yeah. accepting, okay, this is where I'm at today and I'm just going to, you know, train at this level. I've I've definitely been been guilty of that before. Yeah, I think all of us have been for sure at the beginning. Just you set that bar, and then it's like that's why I don't like when people talk about unlocking skills or unlocking movements because it 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 shows this approach like a video game, right? You unlock a skill, and then it's there yeah. forever. And you know, Emmett Lewis has this uh, kind of like what is it called metaphor? It's not a metaphor, but it's close to a metaphor. Um, mm -hmm. This thought of like when, when you do, when you're for the first time achieve a thing. So for example, yeah, first touchdown in the front split. Um, 
It's like if you're opening a door and try to cross it, you haven't crossed it yet. You opened the door and you were able to peek to the other side, but you're still on the same side of the door. Yeah. Right. So you need to keep doing the same type of work. And that is what is going to make you cross the door that now you have, you have access to the other room kind of idea. Yeah. And I think it's a nice, a nice way to think about it. We're like, yeah, we're, we're trying to get into the room, but we're not there yet. Uh, and then changing your program, just like, because you have the thing and then trying to train by doing the thing. This happens a lot also with the press to handstand, right? You do your first repetition of press and then people go, now I can press. And then the press training becomes trying to do a press versus maybe they got there by doing a million repetitions of other exercises that build strength in that range. And they should still be doing that. (laughs) Yeah. I I also, another thing I like to think of is that you don't own the, uh, the skills you borrow them. That's a nice one. I like that. I like that a lot. I don't rip. It's it's not me who who came up with it, so I'm I'm stealing it from somewhere, and I, <laughs> I I'm not sure who to quote, but but I think that's very accurate. Also, mm. is that um, you're gonna have to to keep keep doing some amount of work, most likely, to keep the skill. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that might be like some of the the main acute things that can be. Um, accounting for for the differences in flexibility experience from day to day mm-hmm. so maybe you're just testing different times of the day or maybe you're just you know different temperature maybe you did the you know half half the amount of warm-up you did the day before whatever yeah something like this yeah um then there's also maybe you should jump into speaking just a bit about the physiological factors that might yeah, uh, be part of the explanation for why <laughs> we see this non-linear. We often experience that the, the progress in flexibility can can be non-linear. Um, and just just to be clear that you don't always see this. If you look at in the literature, in the studies that are done, it's not like this is a topic that all, that, that kind of jumps out of you there. Mm. You kind of see it. Some some quite nice linear decent words of decent progress. It's also to be taken into account that it's almost always uh, untrained individuals in, in these studies. Uh, and if, if we followed them for a few years, we would probably, there's a good chance we would be seeing this kind of thing happening as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely it's worth noting that science and literature in terms of flexibility, even though I would say that now is developing quite, quite a lot, there are still a lot of mechanisms that are Maybe the mechanism behind why things happen is not completely clear just yet. And I know in this you're way more into up to date <laughs> than I am. I think actually, but the, I know that the, the biggest yeah, problem sorry. is, in, in my opinion, is a lot of the protocols are kind of far away from how we're doing them. In yeah, practice. yeah, exactly. And this is the thing where, from from coaches that have trained a lot of people, we're finding some methodologies and approaches to flexibility that we kind of know already they're they they have quite a solid foundation that they work even though science hasn't yet found the exact why so we can guess things there so i guess this is something also important to to just say that a lot of the things we try to always be science-based and literal literature based 
but a lot of the things also that we do and we use with our clients come from these methodologies that are tested and proven and we know they work even though maybe we don't know exactly why I, w I would also say that it's maybe not uh, science-based, but science-oriented. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. We should have a t-shirt with that. <laughs> I wish. Maybe we should make one. Yeah. Can, can you see that? I'm Basically, what I'm doing is I feel like all I'm doing here is just coming up with, with one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Then we monetize them. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> but but let's just talk about a, a, a few of the things that that can can factor mm -hmm. in because um, there's both uh, both uh, neurological, uh, physiological, or we can call it morphological, basically like m mechanical things in the body tissue that that actually change properties uh, in regards to stretching, and also there's also a, a, a psychological factor also probably that can uh, interfere with um, the flexibility. So maybe let's start with the psychological stuff because that mm -hmm. should probably also have been mentioned in the uh, acute uh, when we're talking about the, the things that can acutely um, influence. Yeah, affect your, your day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Because we actually know that your, your state of mind basically can have kind of quite a profound effect on how much range of motion you're able to display. Mm -hmm. um, I've only seen one study actually looking into this, but it was super interesting. They had a few different groups, but one group did, uh, I think, was 20 minutes of mindfulness practice. And, you know, like, feel your body getting heavier, stuff like this, getting in touch mm -hmm. with the body. And kind of calming the, the nervous system is probably also what, it, what this is doing. Then we had a group that was doing uh, different kind of passive stretches. And then they did, um, they tested the uh, range of motion, the flexibility of these two groups before and after doing, like, either 20 minutes of mindfulness or 20 minutes of uh, stretching. And they gain kind of the same results after 20 minutes. Wow. Now, now keep in mind that if we, if they repeated this kind of training for eight weeks, for example, we would probably see that most likely the mindfulness would not have gained a lot of chronic increase in range of motion mm. or flexibility. The stretching group, if the training was done in any way kind of... Uh, since in any kind of sensible way, we would see some 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 reasonable improvements there, chronic yeah. improvements in range of motion. But for the acute gains, your state of mind can can play a huge role. I think there is important maybe to quickly explain acute and chronic. Yeah. Just uh, just quickly. So acute is like the things that happen short term, and we talk about kind of on the same day or hour. I don't know if there is as a <clears throat> there is like a really clear definition of what it means, but basically short-term yeah. and chronic is long-term. And in this case that we're talking, acute would be on the same session and chronic would be months kind of time or accumulation in weeks. Yeah. Uh, also, just an example of this is if you're doing three sets of stretching or stretching exercise, you will use your also experience that you'll be able to get deeper into the position on the third set. Because you've mm -hmm. experienced some acute gains in range of motion. Yeah. But when you do your next, you know, if you're training then two days after, for example, you won't be able to achieve, in your, in your first set, you won't be going as deep as you were in your last set, in your last training. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the chronic gains are not as big as the acute gains. Yeah. This is general science terms, not just for flexibility, just for 
people out there? You can find these terms in, in general in sports science, I guess. Exactly. Exactement. Exactement. Yeah, those were really good uh, points and definitions you did there. Thank you. <laughs> uh, then we also have the neurological aspects. And, and probably the biggest one is, is uh, this broad term called stretch tolerance, which is basically the ability to tolerate the sensation of the stretch. So when you start to move into a stretch, you, you will get, you know, it, it is a kind of, of painful perception, the stretching sensation, right? Mm. That will ultimately be the thing that limits your, your flexibility. For most mm. people on this, you're at, mm. you know, at the point where it's basically bone on bone because you've gone to the very limit of, of what your body can express. But for most people, it'll be like your ability to tolerate the sensation of the stretch that, that, that ends up determining how deep you can get into a position. Um, and there are a few things, well, probably a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> that can affect, you know, your, your ability to, to tolerate this. But usually we just use this kind of broad term because we don't know everything that goes into it. We know a lot, but yeah. not everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking because people people might imagine like um, it is the, the voluntary ability to tolerate pain, but there's also like a subconscious level where it's the brain kind of so like we have all the, all these receptors in the muscles and different tissues and they send a signal to the brain, right? So maybe you're not even feeling pain, but your brain is already reacting to those signals. So this, this tolerance goes both at that level of like, oh, I feel pain and I can handle it, but it, it, it specially goes to this other level, right? Where, where you, you don't even feel pain, but your brain is tolerating better that stretch sensation and input. We actually know that the super interesting is that uh, there's studies that that have have shown that we that that passive stretching um, changes our experience of pain. We, they do something called a cold pressure test, uh, and as far as I remember, I'm not completely sure exactly how the test is. I mean, it's kind of like a metal rod that's cold, so it's actually a bit painful to have it touch you, and you can. You know, make it more painful by making it colder. I, I, as far as I remember, that's how it works. And after, you know, if you test people before and after five minutes of stretching, they'd be able to tolerate a higher amount of pain after five minutes of stretching. Look at that. So actually, our perception of pain is, uh, is changed, and it's most likely also happens over longer periods of stretching. Mm. And we actually know that some of the same similar mechanisms are happening after longer periods of strength training and um, and also uh, cardio training, cardiovascular training, conditioning. Mm. It's not something that's unique to um, to flexibility, but it's unique that it's like more connected or more uh, prominent actually when we stretch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's like the big thing in yeah, in regards to yeah. uh, to this. Um, there are also other things like. You also have the stretch reflex, reflex, which is basically that as you start to elongate a muscle, as you're moving into a stretching, stretching position, uh, the body will will send a signal to the to the muscle that is that is being stretched, uh, telling it to contract, contract. And it's like the uh, the more it's put on the stretch, and also the faster the stretch is happening, the uh, the uh, the stronger this uh, the signal is, is going to be 
Mm. Now, if we if we hold a stretch for a longer period of time, um, this this uh, this reflex also the effects of it will start to to dissipate over time. Mm. So this uh, reflex is also um, the strength of this this reflex is also one of the things that we might be able to actually change over time uh, with training, mm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Cool. But I think we should leave it at that for the neurological stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just worried about your timing because I know you're the one that has something coming up after this filming. Ah, yes. And uh, so just for to check how much time we have available. Let, we can go 10 minutes past. I'm going to have to. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, okay, and then you... <laughs> yeah. Then I'm straight out of the door. Mm -hmm. cool. So let's, let's move to, to the mechanical factors. Mm -hmm. so, so basically that would relate to all, all the tissue that's affecting our flexibility in a joint. So you can think of our muscles, uh, uh, tendons, you might also have connective tissue, uh, skin and whatever, that um, they kind of in a way, works as elastic bands. Mm. So when we stretch them, they want to, you know, return to their original state. And um, it would be beneficial for our flexibility if we can kind of just loosen the elastic band. Mm. It would not be so great for the uh, stability of the Everything joint else. <laughs> if all the structures just got, got looser, um, mm. if all of them got looser. Mm. And like most of the time, we also find that like ligaments and tendons don't really uh, respond much to, uh, to, to stretching. Not always. There are, there are some cases where, where it happens. But, uh, but what seems to be, be possible is that the muscle fibers can actually grow in length, which in theory would also cause the uh, muscle part of the muscle tendon complex to be more compliant, to be able to elongate easier. Mm. So that so specific part of the, of the elastic band would in a way get 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 a little bit more loose. Mm -hmm. But then again, because the because the muscle can create tension by contracting, it's not really a problem because it'll also be able to it'll be better suited to create tension in a longer position, in a more elongated position. Yeah. So it's something like the the resistance that the whole line of stretch is creating. Instead of being a constant that you cannot change, then you would be able to reduce it when you want to reduce it and you want to make it longer. So you go deeper in the stretch, but you have the capacity of actively put like the tension there and create a resistance because the muscle is able to do that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so this is something that will happen over a long period of time. Um, also like. It'll probably take a certain amount of volume and intensity to get this kind of adaptation. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not just like yeah, easy, relaxed, uh, 20 seconds of stretching once in a while. It's not going to get to these kind of adaptations. Yeah. This is like long-term stretching, long-term serious flexibility training. Mm. Uh, that'll get this kind of adaptation. We also know that things like... Uh, Nerves also get stretched. Nerve tension is also a thing that can, can affect the flexibility. Uh, and also tissue like fascia probably also plays a role, but it's a bit more um, yeah, unclear exactly how. Yeah. But the idea is that if we 
if our muscle fibers get longer, so our muscle gets more compliant, if uh, the nerve tension is also reduced, then we'll probably also experience less pain or less of an intense stretching sensation as we move into the position. So it's not just about mm. having less resistance to stretch, like getting a looser elastic band as we move into the position. It also most likely also affects our our experience of of the pain as as we move into the stretch, of the stretching yeah. sensation as we move into it. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that we might experience this kind of nonlinearity when we uh, in our flexibility training could be that as you start training, maybe in the beginning, just like improving something will you know everything will, will have some room for improvement. And no matter what you kind of uh, take a look at, you'll start to see some improvements. Then further down the line, as you get more, uh, as you get more advanced, there may start to be like specific uh, structures, possibly, that are the things that are holding mm. you back, right? Yeah. So maybe uh, you're able to, let's say your muscle fibers, your muscles are able to elongate to, to a certain, certain degree, which is plenty for what, where you're at right now. All the tissue maybe, except for, let's just say that it's nerve tension right, that's holding your back. Um, something related to the, to the nerves and, and their ability to, to tolerate this kind of stretch also in an easy position. Um, so maybe you're at the point where that's basically the only thing that's holding your, your, your back. This is just purely theoretical thinking. Mm -hmm. um, so you might be stuck at kind of the same level until this single component also starts to improve, you know, once it's pushed, pushed enough. And once this last component, this last piece of the puzzle also starts to improve, then you already have the capacity in all the, all the other areas. So there's suddenly a huge um, also capacity for improvement. Mm. Yeah. And that, that, that basically translates to trainings where you're not finding progress in any way. And suddenly, in a couple of weeks, you progress more when that adaptation happens. Yeah. Right? And it should also be noted that this is um, this is theoretical thinking. I don't have any science that like like looked into this specific uh, stuff and can see like, oh, yeah. this nice paper kind of found this. But this, this is, is the thing, right? Where like, know. this is the thing where we know enough. So like we we need to be nerdy about these things. But the average person, if you're curious, of course, it's nice to know all of these things. But yeah. in terms of your training. Basically, it's just to know that there are some factors that you don't necessarily need to know about that will cause this sort of, um, what is called like a dick. Um, that's a, that's a word that is hard to pronounce, pronouncing a way that doesn't sound like the one that you shouldn't, shouldn't say in a podcast, <laughs> but imagine like you're accumulating, right? Your gains, but they're behind a war, behind a barrier. And that is the factor that right now is limiting you. And it can be. It can be your stretch tolerance that you have some sort of trauma from a previous injury and your brain doesn't want you to let, to go there, even if you're building the strength and you have the, uh, morphological adaptation to go there. And that might take some time where you're accumulating gains, but they're behind this wall until you break it. And then suddenly you can express that range, right? So it's this idea that even if progress is not happening, if your program is well designed in a sense, sensible manner, 
um, it is normal that you spend maybe some weeks. And actually, I would even argue that it's kind of expected because it tends to happen with a lot of people where you start working these aspects of uh, being able to handle tension in the muscles that are being stretched or the whole line of stretch, developing the strength on the shortening side of the joint that you're stretching, right? So like the, in a way, you're, you're, it's like telling your brain and nervous system that you have enough control to go deeper by becoming stronger, both in the shortening side and in the lengthening side. And there needs to be a period of adaptation until the range of motion suddenly can be expressed. So sometimes this happens sort of linearly, but most of the times it's not like this. So you need to accumulate those gains. And I like to think about this idea of we're convincing our nervous system that we can get there, but showing that we are stronger, both in our ability to support attention in the stretched length, but also in the ability to lift a joint or, or lift a limb or, or just like control the opposite side. I really like the metaphor of, of seeing the the, the uh, nervous system of kind of this overprotective parent that needs to be calmed down. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to add that another reason uh, I think why why we often see people get frustrated, like I'm not getting getting deeper into the position. Then what's what's happening? What's wrong with my training? Uh, but we also have to remember that. Getting deeper into a position is not the only way that we should be tracking progress in our flexibility training. Mm. It could be that, for example, you might be spending actually more time in the position, getting into it with more ease, or a bunch of other factors, maybe breathing more easily in, in the position. Yeah. And oftentimes, you'll experience that these kind of precede getting deeper into the position. For example, if you're working on your middle spits, Let's see, you're doing uh, like an isometric middle split. A lot of the time, you'll you'll experience that maybe you start off with being able to hold the position for like 30 seconds. Yeah. But before being able to go any deeper, you'll often experience that, you know, you'll first be able to hold the position longer. Yeah. Or at least that might be a, that's that's often a good um, yeah. a good way to progress it. To first chase time and then chase uh, depth. Yeah, exactly. Like trying to increase up to a minute before really starting to worry about getting deep into the position. Mm, yeah. Yeah, this idea of accumulating time under tension on the stretch is super, super valuable. And it, it is true that maybe you spend a lot of time without seeing progress, but then it's because you're looking at the wrong place yeah. for the progress to happen. And it's a little bit the same that we talk about in handstands. Um, so just just being aware that there's these other three or four factors of progress that you can that you can have in consideration so it's not just the depth but it's also the tolerance to to the stretch is the amount of time you can be there and then it could even be the the capacity of using that range of motion in an active way because this is often seen right where you have this huge discrepancy between flopping into a position and actually actively achieving it which then is a consequence of the strength of the opposite side of the joint that you're trying to stretch. Yeah. Now I'm seeing the clock and I'm thinking, do you need to run away? Yeah, I do. All right. So <laughs> I guess we're going to just finish here. Uh, thank you so much everyone to, for joining us today in this beautiful exploration of nonlinearity and flexibility training. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be seeing you hopefully next week.
Yeah, and I think we uh, we covered the most uh, important parts. I mean, it would be have been nice to also have time to, to cover some some tactical experiences, but um, yeah, we got the the nerdy stuff out of the way, which was cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll have some episodes fully fully about flexibility. There's yeah. a lot of things to unpack there. Definitely. So I also have some some topics that I'd like to talk about that could easily. <laughs> <laughs> out a whole episode cool all right then but um i guess i need to to run (laughs) you you run run. you run like the wind my friend great talking to you man and uh, great talking to you